Hey guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with young voices in the theater industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Nicholas Barish. Nick made his Broadway debut in West Side Story when he was just nine years old. And since then, he's been part of several fan-favorite productions, such as The Mystery of Edwin Drood, Big River, and She Loves Me, which was actually nominated for a Tony Award for the Best Revival of the Musical in 2016. We mainly spoke about his journey of growing up on Broadway, as well as the life experiences that have shaped his career so far. It goes without saying that Nick is incredibly talented as a performer and he also has a really good head on his shoulders and he was so generous with his time which just makes him an all-around awesome human being. And I think he has a wonderful perspective on this business as well, so it was an absolute bucket list interview for me. We connected over FaceTime as Nick lives in New York and I'm here in London. And I do have to mention one thing. I experienced a bit of a technological glitch on my side at the beginning of our conversation. So I'm just mentioning it now because the audio quality might be a bit different to the previous episodes, but you know, that's okay. These things happen, but it was such a lovely conversation and Nick is so delightful to talk to. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. Be sure to follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Barish and subscribe to Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Nick Barish. What are you grateful for today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I actually live in the same building as my sister and we just got lunch and I'm totally grateful for her. That's kind of a sappy answer, but we're, um, we're in different fields. She's a, a, a writer, but also under the same umbrella of the arts. So she's um, a grad student at NYU for, for creative writing. And um, I feel like we've become closer as we got older. We definitely hated each other as little kids, as siblings do. But now we can kind of, we can compare and contrast our lives that are kind of similar, but it's not like she's an actress, in which case it might be a little too close to home. It might be a little too intense. Um, so we have kind of a nice perspective on each other's lives. And so, yeah, I would say Katie, my sister. She would be very happy to know that I... <laughs> That's great. Is she older or younger? She's older. She's five and a half years older. And on that note, how would you describe yourself at this point in time? You know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm in a good place right now. I think... Uh, you know, this career path is so ups and downs. And um, I think it's great to have a community of, of artists around you and people like you to, to, to just discuss the, the hardships about the business, but also the, the successes that can follow and whatever. But um, I think it's also important to remove, remove yourself a little bit from it. And I'm lucky to have some people in my life who know nothing about the business and I don't really have to talk about it and they know very little about it. Um, I think it's healthy to have some space. So yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a good place. I have a couple projects coming up and you know, sometimes you're uh, you have nothing going on and it's like, you're kind of like, Oh, and I'm also taking the semester off of school. So I don't have that to focus on, but no, in general, I'm good. It's uh, it's almost spring. We're out of the dead of winter here in New York, although it did snow a couple days ago. I was going to say, so, didn't you guys have a snow day in New York? We did, but, you know, and it's cold, but we're hopeful. It was so hot in London the other week. It was like mid-February, and we were like, this is global warming. Like, I know, the fluctuation is so scary. London's a little London's a little gray, I will say. I've been a couple times. <laughs> I was going to ask you, yeah, have you been? Nice. Been twice, yeah, and it's great. I mean, the theater scene, come on, I'm... I would die to work there. It's so, so cool. And I think we're, I might be digressing a little, but I think they had their community is like, it's very solid and they don't take themselves as seriously, I think, as American actors do. Really? I think yeah, I think we're a little more self-indulgent, a little more, they, they kind of, they just, they show up, they do the work and then they go home. You know, we kind of, we have to live in the world of, of acting and we, it's blood, sweat and tears and it's all very dramatic. So I think there's something to be said for why they're always working and always over here doing our plays and movies. You know, they kind of 
they put the work first. That reminds me, I listened to an interview of Gavin Creel, who obviously you know very well. Um, Love. Yeah, and he was comparing the London and obviously Broadway scene, and then he was saying how the community feeling is missing in London. And he right. said that it was for him. It was you know one of the points why he went back to, to Broadway. So it's interesting to hear your take huh, on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he definitely has more experience in that area. And um, I have heard that. I think because in New York it's really like ten blocks where all the theaters are, and in London I think it's more spread out. So it's not really like West End culture. It's almost like theater in theater general. Culture, yeah. And the Olivier nominations came out today, actually. Oh, yeah, today. anyone of anyone you're you're rooting for? I haven't seen them. Mm, well, Come From Away has been nominated oh, for many yes. awards. Um, that's a good one. I've seen it. It's yeah, just heartbreaking. Isn't that great? I know. It's... I walked away and I was like, that's such a great original feel-good musical. I just exactly. love it. And it makes you think. That's what I loved about it. Yes, and it's kind of this whole other facet of that time that, that no one knew about because every, all the focus was on the, the attack obviously and New York city, but the, the ripple effect is so interesting. What else were nominated? The company, you know, the gender bend. Oh version. yes. The Patty LuPone. Yes. Patty LuPone. It was so good. I went to see oh, it. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. yeah. Patty LuPone. I mean, you know, she can do no wrong. She really can't. And is that moving here? I don't know. There's been talk, mm. but hopefully, hopefully you get to hopefully. enjoy performance but yeah i know she was nominated obviously like all of them but anyway nominations oh, came anyway. out super happy for them so obviously you've been a performer since a very young age and you know you've gotten to work with amazing you know huge names in this industry i'd just love to know kind of what inspired you to perform and you must have been quite young as well when when you got that theater bug totally yeah so i think i was always interested in theater i don't know if i ever saw myself being on Broadway, but I think my my grandma, I would say, is the main reason, my main introduction to Broadway. She took my sister and I to um, to several Broadway shows. I remember seeing, like, random musicals like Tarzan and <laughs> Les Mis, and that's not as random. But, um, yeah. And then it's I, a nice I, uh, mix, you know? It's a it's random a nice mix. mix right? Hairspray, I think, was in there. Um, and... Uh, I think my, my, my real first foray into that world was when I did the, the Music Man with my mom at, at Bedford Community Theater. She played my older sister, and that's kind of when the bug first bit. I, I was really happy that people were clapping for me after singing. I was like, oh, this is a nice feeling. And I started doing more community theater, and uh, I kind of landed West Side Story, which was my my first I hate the word break, but I'll, I'll say my first break into the business. And um, it kind of all happened very fast, and I kind of fell into it. I got a manager and started auditioning and then landed that role. And I think my interest in theater accelerated after West Side Story. So most people, I guess, you know, grow up in their teens and um, admiring Broadway and theater and and then maybe getting into it after college for me it was like these people I'm around in the rehearsal room are inspiring and just make me want to do it more and learn more about it you know as I get older my interest increases as I just learn more about it do more see more so far I still love it <laughs> so I think that's the most important thing um, you have to love what you do so and obviously you touched upon West Side Story. So what was that experience like, you know, embracing that environment for the first time? And also, did you audition? How did you come across that role? Yeah, I auditioned like all the other kids. I think they had actually already cast the role. They needed a boy soprano to sing somewhere um, in the second act. It was kind of Arthur Lawrence, the book writer and the director of that production, had a vision of this this um, face of this youthful face to come out and sing the song as kind of this beacon of hope and light or something like that. Um, and uh, I, so they were looking for a replacement actually, because I think that kid booked a movie and went off to do that. So it was a very quick process. Um, I went in, I, I sang for the creative team. Arthur Lawrence happened to be there. He wasn't there for all the auditions. So I think that was kind of lucky. Um, and I also forgot my resume, which is like, 
the number one no-no when you're going out for auditions. So that also was lucky because they couldn't read anything. They were forced to have a conversation with me and be like, who is this kid? What have you done? And I, I got the role two hours later, and which was also rare. And I don't even think I knew what it meant to be in a Broadway show. I think it was like, oh, cool. What does this mean? You know, I was 10. Um, my mom actually had the, the funniest reaction. She, um, my manager called her and told her I got the role because I didn't communicate with my manager at that point. I was watching SpongeBob in the other room and she actually broke out in hives. <laughs> that was her reaction because I think she start she started thinking, cause she was in the business for a while too. And when she was younger, so she was thinking eight shows a week, 10 year old, he's in fifth grade. What does this mean for our family? And, so in retrospect, we can laugh about it, but I think she was a little stressed out. You know, my parents were not the typical, you know, stage parents. They didn't push me into it or they were kind of, they took my, my lead, which was nice. And, um, and they also are, you know, I think well-rounded people. So they're, yeah, they were, they were wary. Um, but as far as the experience goes, it was amazing and it was um we went to washington dc uh, first out of town for the tryout and then broadway and um i think i was just soaking it all in it was all very surreal and i was talking to this um to another actor recently i think when you're young when you're that young i think you judge yourself less and you allow yourself to be more present and curious about what you're doing. And I think as you get older, you have more voices in your head, more self-doubt um, creeping in. So I think there's a freedom in being a child actor and a kind of reckless abandon where you can kind of just do it and, and you're not constantly watching yourself or, or judging yourself. So it was, it was a wonderful experience. It was, um, I had to be very disciplined, you know, eight shows a week is no joke. And I was also going to school during the day. So it was food in the car, vocalizing in the car, homework in the car. But no, I, I look back very, very fondly on that experience. And it obviously kind of launched me into the business. I mean, it's West Side Story. It's one of the greatest musicals ever. And now there's a, even a remake happening with Ray Spielberg yeah. and another revival. So it's very much in the culture. So I'm, I'm proud to have been a, a part of that. Since then, you know, in your ripe old age of 20, You've, you've, you've gone on to do, you know, Edmund Trude, She Loves Me, Big River, all that sort of amazing stuff. So what was it like kind of growing up on Broadway almost? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I think like anything, I, you know, I, I certainly did not expect to get Drude or She Loves Me. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't know I was going to ever be on Broadway again. I, st I still don't know, <laughs> knock on wood, but um, it's a privilege. And um, yeah, I think, I think the most difficult part was um, the school aspect. And uh, because I, especially after Drude, um, that was my first few months of high school. So after Drude, I had to kind of enter freshman year of high school, which was a regular public school in Westchester. And um, as the new kid and everyone had kind of settled into their friend groups at that point. So I kind of had to navigate that. I actually, I wrote my, um, my college essay about, about the first few days coming back because it was very discordant to go from literally signing playbills at the stage door and feeling so cool. And I was on Broadway to a couple of days later sitting on, you know, the floor in my gym class while people pick teams for dodgeball, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was that, that kind of ups and downs. I think it, it was a microcosm of my experience in the industry. But, you know, when I was in a show, of course I loved it. I was around adults. I was treated like an adult. I um, was kind of like the little brother in all of my productions and everyone could kind of, you know, um, give me advice, maybe sometimes too much advice. <laughs> You know, I, certainly during She Loves Me, it was like one person was like, you have to go to college. And one person was like, you don't have to go to college or you should go to liberal arts or you should go to a conservatory or, or yeah, do what you want. You know, so there were a lot of voices coming at me. But no, it was it was incredible. I, you know, I'm humbled to have 
been a Broadway kid, I guess. And, uh, yeah. And now I guess a, an adult in the industry is, um, it, it prepared me in a lot of ways that I'm grateful for. And also you touched upon kind of that stage door experience. So I'm just kind of curious to know really, what is it like, you know, just stepping outside of that stage door and seeing all these people who have, you know, arguably a very visceral reaction to what they've just seen. I definitely felt cool. I think it's a nice ego boost. Um, but definitely during She Loves Me, I kind of saw how my different cast members ha handled it. I think Zachary Levi was also was obviously such a great people person, and he would have these stage door jam parties, and he'd bring out a boombox and literally play music, and he'd go down the line. And first he'd go down the line and sign everyone's playbills, and then he'd go down the line a second time for selfies. I don't know if you saw the show, but but yeah. it was incredible. And um, and then and Laura also an amazing Laura Benetti, a people person, but she was also sick a lot of the time, so she couldn't sign playbills, and so she she signs playbills in her dressing room and had them sent out. And um, so I think I learned from people who've been around for a long time, and you know it's it's obviously amazing to to greet fans after afterwards, but I think especially now, like on Twitter, there's been a conversation about how you're not really obligated to do that. I think people expect FaceTime after a show, but, you know, if you have a child, for example, you know, Stephanie J. Block in the Share show right now, she's like, I have a kid, like, I have to go home and sleep. Um, but no, I, I mean, I've been really lucky to be in shows that have kind of generated great audiences. I mean, Drood was kind of like a cult classic. <laughs> we had... Drudy's, because um, it's kind of an obscure musical. It's not really a yeah. typical. So seeing people's enthusiasm for it was so humbling. And um, But again, you kind of have to, you know, this is such a, what I call, what champagne problem. Like, you know, it's a first world, you know, issue. But I, I think when you have a lot of compliments coming at you, I'm, I don't tend to take it well. I think, I think it's, it's hard for people to take compliments. Um, you know, my, my parents are, are Buddhist, so they, you know, very into the Buddhist philosophy. And, and one of my dad's Buddhist teachers would say like, you don't know what to do with a compliment. Like, what do you do? You put it on your head, like you put it off, to, you digest it. It's, it's hard. So, um, I often would deflect it and be like, Oh, really? You know, and now I'm trying to be a little more confident and be, just say, thank you. And, um, but you have to kind of screen it out a little because at the end of the day, you have to go back and do a matinee the next day and no one in that audience has seen you do it yet. So you have to do it just as well as the night before. And you almost have to right. prove yourself every single day to different every people. Time. I can only imagine how intense that must be. And, you know, not everyone's going to like your performance. You have to make peace with that. I certainly had my... Um, experiences with reviews and Gavin Creel actually you know was like are you gonna read the reviews and I said yeah because I was 17 and of course I wanted to hear what people thought about me but I remember he said well you're gonna learn the hard way and I certainly did I read a couple that were not so good and um, kind of internalized that and it was kind of painful and so you have to be careful especially with social media I mean with what people tweet at you like it's not always great what actually as we talk about social media i read well i listened to this podcast today i listen to a lot of podcasts basically yeah. um, but podcast. yeah. um the ensemblist you know you know you probably yeah, know yeah. and they Who did the mo brady mo brady okay got it basically he spoke with someone about their experience who's in be more chill now but i don't, yeah. I don't know who the person was but um they were saying how you know on social media they get like 20 messages a day you know from people just saying how much they love the show and how much it means to them and and or not so good things as well of course and and it's like how do you navigate that is there it's almost like stage door it's like a virtual stage door now and it's like how do you engage but you know still keep yourself to yourself but how do you use social media well i'm not the best at it I'm, i gotta say i i think i've actually had to take social media cleanses which is probably the most pretentious thing i'll say in this in this hour <laughs> but um 
it's been really helpful because I tend to, I think we all tend to compare ourselves to others. And one person kind of said it well on Twitter, Instagram the other day, and they were like, just a reminder, you're seeing the highlights of, of people's lives. You're not, you're seeing their best moments. They're, most edited, most pristine versions of themselves. And um, sometimes you forget that and you kind of look and, oh, that person's in a really cool place or that person's doing that cool thing. And it distracts from yourself. And um, so when I go, like, I'll, I'll just go off social media for a week and then I just, like, remember to, like, look up at the sky and, like, maybe read a book and, like, you know, me time, um, for lack of a better term but uh yeah so i'm not the best at it i'm still learning some people argue that there's a huge career benefit because you you know you you gather a, a following and um and whatever but i you know I, I know plenty of actors who do just fine without it i mean jesse mueller is, is a great example for me you know she's doing just fine and she doesn't have oh, any yeah. social so there's i think there's a trade-off um I think it might tip more into the negative effects, maybe. Maybe it's like 60-40. But yeah, I'm still figuring it out. I'm so grateful that you replied to me because I was like, oh, he probably, he would never like check his messages. Well, I'm glad I did because I don't usually. Um, but obviously okay. you sounded super smart and engaged yeah. in, in what you were doing. And of course I you know, would reply, but... Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for saying that, by the way. I'm the same, <laughs> I'm the same as you with compliments. I'm like, ooh, deflect. No. Yeah. Um, it's almost easier when people are like, you suck. Because then it's like, yeah, like, you, you can agree with that more in a way. You know, I'm an expert at, at trying to get criticisms out of people when they genuinely are complimenting me. I'm like, no, 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 but you mean this. You must mean that. Because, you know, it's... Uh, something we will both work on in, in the future. Exactly. I'm confident. <laughs> exactly, you know. By the end, we'll be like, tell me more, how great it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. All the compliments my way, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and about social media as well, like, um, you know, there's social media training now, which I find bizarre. Really? You know, in yeah. college or? I interviewed someone who's, um, he is studying musical theater, but um, he's also been in productions or whatever. And he was telling how in university they would, and also in productions, but in university, they would tell you like, you know, this wow. is how you should use statistics, analytics on Twitter and like how you should hashtag things. And I'm like, what? You know, it nuts. Going back to theater, you did She Loves Me, which we kind of touched upon, but I would love for you to kind of elaborate on that. Can you just kind of summarize who this character was to you and then why did you feel this connection? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I um, I did connect to Arpad. <laughs> Arpad Laszlo is the character's name. Um, I think, but it was kind of one of those, there were a lot of factors that, that went into it. I think, yes, I connected with the character, but looking back, I would never want to play that character again. It's almost like at that time in my life, it was kind of perfect and it perfectly aligned with who I was. Maybe it was my, um, how eager I was to, to get the role, which kind of translated into how eager or paralleled how eager Arpad was to get the promotion in, in, in the shop. But, um, Scott Ellis, I have to give all the credit to because I think he is a very unsung director on Broadway. I mean, he has eight Tony nominations over like almost two decades. He does TV, film. I could just go on and on. But um, he's he's the best director I've seen um, as a, a casting person, as a casting director. He knows exactly who is right for the role. And I've seen several of his productions now and everyone is perfectly cast. So already you, you you trust him. And I think I, I'd already done Drood with him, um, which was such a blessing. And um, when he cast me and She Loves Me, I obviously had that imposter syndrome of like, me? Really? Are you sure you have the right person? Um, and I went into that experience very fearful. Um, but I think I also had an understanding of of how good he is at his job. He, he knew I was right for that role. So I think having that trust with your director is so important. And um, 
he's also just a great human. But yeah, I definitely connected with the role. I think I grew into it. I had an amazing acting coach help me with it. Her name is Dana Smith-Kroll, and I also think actors should vocalize the people who help them because we, we really can't do it alone. And um, we, we made some kind of bold choices for this character, and um, he was really fun to play. I mean, Try Me was a, was a great song to sing, Looking back again, it's I just it makes me tired thinking of it because there was a lot of running around and it's a very fast pace and I remember one anecdote. I don't know if um, I've ever said this publicly, but uh, the great Paul Gemignani, who musical directed uh, She Loves Me, Andrew pulled me over, pulled me aside once in rehearsal. It was like the second week of rehearsal, and he was like, "Um, so you're a mess." <laughs> basically said like you're all over the place and i was like okay you know i was like sure and i i think he didn't mean in all ways i think most of what he meant was tempo wise because just musically speaking you have to kind of sing and then talk and then sing and then talk and you kind of set the tempo and the orchestra follows you and when people tell me that they're using it as an audition song i'm like good luck and God bless, because it is a monster of a song. But anyway, um, yes, I did connect with the role, but I think it was just for that time, which is kind of great. I mean, I know I, I did Big River afterwards, and I actually connected even more with that role, and that's a role that I didn't get to do very long, and I would revisit. But I think She Loves Me, it was, I was passionate about the show, about the team, about the cast, about the, it was a conflux of of things that, that happened. Um, but I have no problem just, you know, relegating that to the past. I, I have, I have no connection with that character anymore. But we're not the same people as we were, you know, a year ago, a day ago. Totally. So. Yeah. I was a very eager beaver junior in high school. And I think Scott was like, yep, you'll do this character justice in some way, weird way. So, yeah. and now in your old age of 20, you can look back old and go, age, oh, I know, that just, kid I was. Oh, yeah. Yes, years ago. No. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, the company was truly stunning. And, you know, I've seen the Broadway HD recording and yeah. it was amazing. So I could only imagine, you know, what it must have been like night after night. But what was kind of your favorite part of the show? Not necessarily your own, but, you know, any moment, any song that you liked. Um, I would say the opening number and also the Christmas song, 12 Days to Christmas. Uh, they, they were just great ensemble pieces. And the opening kind of beautifully introduced all the characters in the shop. And um, of course, I don't miss riding that bike. There were many mishaps. I would ride it into the set. I would, you know, I, <laughs> I was very nervous when it came to the bike. I remember Scott Ellis came up to me during tech and was like, you do know how to ride a bike, right? And I was like, I know, I'm trying. It's just really hard to navigate. Blah, blah, blah. But no, uh, yeah, and any moment of watching Jane Krakowski, Gavin Creel, Larbonanti, and Zachary Levi, and Michael McGraw, and, you know, everyone in that cast, I was just soaking in their, their genius. For me, I loved, obviously, you know, Ilona, such an iconic uh, number. Iconic. I mean, the splits, like, what? Uh, yeah. Seems so easy, you know? Um, yeah, could never Jane is Jane is a freak of nature. Let's just put it that way. But I think just the chemistry as well, and just the kind of camaraderie on stage seemed very real to me. Even watching it through a screen. Totally. I mean, we were laughing a lot during rehearsal, and I think there was one point where Jane, in particular, kind of led the the slap happy parade <laughs> during rehearsal. I I wouldn't say she. She was the one to admit she was tired because she's so confident and been doing this for so long. So remember we were running lines and we all just started laughing and James was like, guys, it's that time of day. Like it's 4.30 PM or whatever. Like we're all tired, but there was a lot of joy um, in the rehearsal room and, and Scott kind of allowed us to be goofy. And I think that kind of translated into the, to the show. Because of, these all these amazing stage icons that you were surrounded by you know is there anyone from this industry or this production who's had kind of a very the biggest kind of most formative influence on you or your career or how you view this business any of that 
Yeah, I mean, I think Gavin Creel. I, I, I can't say enough about that man. And um, I think he, he kind of took me under his wing during that time. And um, he's just a great example of someone who's weathered so much in this business. And he's so candid about it and open about it. He has no shame. He has no – he's you know, his ego is almost non-existent. You know, he's um, – and he's and he's he's crafted a career that he's hasn't always enjoyed, and he's faced a lot of issues and and um, you know and he would check in with himself I think every month or two and be like, am I happy doing that, doing this? And sometimes the answer would be no. And I think you, you have to love what you do, but you can't ignore the fact that you're going to be unhappy some days or unhappy in some jobs or. Not unhappy, but not necessarily satisfied artistically or creatively, and um, so I think just having that awareness as you as you go through this industry and not kidding yourself, um, really checking in with yourself. Um, sorry, the, I live in New York City. There are <laughs> sirens everywhere. Um, I'm gonna wait a sec. Oh, almost gone. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'd say him, but but the whole cast had an influence on me. I mean, Gavin and Jane threw me a prom backstage. It was incredible, and I mean, who does that? The, you know, they're, you know, I think Jane went out and got booze, and Gavin got the balloons, and I mean, I'm just, I'm a lucky, I was a lucky guy. I am a lucky guy. I was going to say, did you miss your prom? Was that the story? What's the story behind the prom? <laughs> yeah, I had to miss my prom, but I didn't. You know, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I went to a very small private school my last two years of high school here. So prom there was, you just all went, like in terms of dates, it wasn't this big thing. So I didn't care. <laughs> I think other people were more upset about it than I was. They were like, oh, you're missing your prom. And I was like, yeah, but I get to be on Broadway. Like, I don't care. Um, and uh, the stage manager like pulled me aside after the show and they were like, hey, we have to talk to you about the Tonys were coming up. We have to talk to you about rehearsal. And I was like, okay. And they brought me downstairs and surprise, like happy prom. And it was, I mean, it was, inc it was, I still have a lot of pictures um, that I can use to blackmail the cast. But, but um, no, I mean, it, it, there are no words. It was, it was pretty, pretty great. And then I think I ended up going to after prom like the same night and it wasn't nearly as fun. <laughs> exactly. But um, it was such an intense experience for you and, you know, managing high school and, and this and whatever. Did you ever, like, dream about the show? Did you did you find it hard to switch off? Yeah, I mean, I was I was definitely riding the high of, of being in that show. I think I was, I think I had a good head on my shoulders, but I think when there's that much attention on you, you can't help but revel in it a little and... Um, yeah, but there were definitely, I think what kept me grounded and humble, not only the, my family and friends who were very much that way, um, but I think it was my just wanting to do service to the, to the show every night and focusing on that. And again, people like Gavin and, and Laura and, you know, people with such good work ethics, um, that became the, the safe, doing the show kind of became the, the safe haven. And um, when we did do, you know, the Today Show or the Tonys or whatever, that was a little more uncomfortable or more awkward. But um, yeah, no, it was, but also, again, it wasn't like we were doing some dramatic, like, <laughs> play where people had to die. You know, it was a, it's a light kind of feel-good musical. So if anything, it just made us all more... <laughs> motorcycle uh more more giddy and and more feeling you know loved and and loving and you know it was summertime in the city and i remember i would just put my headphones in and listen to like i don't know i think lemonade was out at that time beyonce and i just ride the subway and go to work and it was just a lot of fun it was a, a fun fun feeling so yeah i think it stuck with me but i was able to kind of shake it right after we closed and yeah and what was your high school experience like because you didn't go to a regular school it was good i mean i uh you know i don't want to it's kind of 
tricky talking about my school um, because I think the professional children's school, they um, they do a lot of good. I think I think personally, mostly for for dancers and musicians because they kind of have a set. Um, schedule. They have the School of American Ballet people. They have the Juilliard people. Um, so for actors, it's a little more difficult. Um, this is probably out there, but they actually didn't let me walk at my graduation. Yeah, which was such a bummer. And um, I hadn't finished enough work in time, I guess, but I was doing eight shows a week and it was my first kind of principal on Broadway. And, and I had worked during the school year before and I had finished all my work and I've always been a straight A student. So it didn't seem like a problem to my, to my parents or to me. So that was, that was hard. That was hard to to see like all my classmates walking. I did get my diploma, but, um, so they weren't as, they weren't great towards the end. They were, um, they became a little bit rigid, which was so ironic because I went there for the sole purpose of being able to audition and work. And um, so that was that was tough. Um, I don't blame anyone in particular. Maybe secretly I do. <laughs> I won't reveal who. But I just think that part of the institution was not quite um, executed well. Their mission is sometimes a little muddled. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, PCS. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it does a lot of good. So I have no hard feelings. Mm, okay. And you turned out okay. You know, you got your education. So <laughs> yeah. You got your piece of paper. Right. Okay. Well, what's the one kind of lesson that all this success and experience has taught you? Um, <laughs> my first instinct was to say, it's fleeting. Um, no, I think, uh, I think if anything, it's made me realize um how lucky i am i mean i I keep repeating that i don't want to sound like a humble pie you know fake in any way but i i do kind of you know i mean i'm taking an on-camera class right now to learn more about film and that medium and um you know there are people there are many actors most actors out there who don't even have an agent and they're pounding the pavement trying to get an agent i've had an agent since i was nine years old that's never been an issue for me so i think you know, um, the success, yes, it's, it's fleeting. It comes in waves. I think to think that you've arrived in a certain, in a certain way is, um, a little silly, but again, you, you only can, um, have the perspective once you've experienced that success and realize that, oh, it doesn't really make me happy. The other day I was talking to my dad about this because, um, you know, I had been out for a lot of auditions last year and nothing really stuck, although I was working on a lot of projects, so I couldn't really complain. There were offers coming my way, but I was going out for things that I really wanted and wasn't getting them. And um, I was talking to my dad about how frustrating that was, um, but I also have the knowledge that when I am working, it's it's still work. It's still your life. It's not going to make you happier um it perhaps gives you a sense of stability because you have something to do and you're not like oh i'm unemployed and blah 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 blah. and that day i booked a job and that was kind of a nice lesson in like once you kind of learn to be at peace with the ebbs and flows then then things will kind of creep up on you and catch you by surprise and then you are working and then you're you know so it's just um now I'm forgetting what the question was. <laughs> no, the one well, lesson that you learned. But I guess going with the flow and kind of trusting the process is what yeah. you're saying. Trust, right, the lessons. Yeah, so um, I think just taking everything with a, with a grain of salt. I mean, there's definitely ego boosts. And um, you have to just kind of ride the waves. I have a friend, Clark Thorell, in this business. And he just, that's what he says, ride the waves. Um, don't fight it just embrace it yeah and I was gonna ask you what is the auditioning process like yeah so um I'm again in a lucky position where I usually get appointments to go in for theater I usually go right to the creative teams and I don't have to be pre-screened although that does happen sometimes too and yeah usually they give you it could be a day to 
two weeks of time. Usually it's a shorter amount of time and usually you get sides for a scene and then a cut of a song or you might have to prepare your own song. I like to prepare a lot. <laughs> I think that's certainly key for, for theater. For t- TV and film, it's a little different. I think Tara Rubin, who's a great casting um, director in the city, says that preparation is the backbone of your audition. So if you're prepared, you have something to lean on and you don't have to feel as nervous because you've prepared. And you go in and you do your stuff for five minutes and then you leave and um, there's no, I think one of the hardest parts is there's no rejection call, (laughs) rejection email. If you don't hear, it's not going forward. If you hear, it is. So learning how to um, let go. which I'm not great at, um, is, is part of it. You kind of have to try to let it go as soon as you walk out of the door, which is almost impossible. I mean, especially as artists, we care so much about what we're putting out there into the world. But the reality is most of the stuff you go out for, you're not going to be getting. Um, it's, I mean, maybe even somewhere between 85 and 95%. I mean, it's just like, it's just numbers. It's that competitive. Um, so it's a lot of uh, psychologically being kind of stable. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I think I, I always go through um, a bit of a depression, small depression. And then you, and then you let it go. There was, there was a big Broadway show that I went in for a, couple, a few months ago. And I thought I was perfect for it. And I was so ready and so right for it. No one called, <laughs> you know, so it's, you can't take it personally. And how do you deal with the pace of this industry? Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, I, I never know what my week's going to look like or my month, which I think is also why I do it. It's kind of addicting for me to the unknown. Um, I could have six auditions in a week. I could have zero. So I am trying to kind of dabble in other genres and in, in writing a little bit. Um, I once heard, I think, Tina Fey say in an interview that, you have no control when you're just auditioning as an actor. So if you can find a little bit of ways, a little bit of a way to retain control by writing, then you might feel a little better about yourself. But yeah, it's still a, it's still a process for me. I'm trying to find when I'm not in school, I have to really structure my day, um, or else I'll just become a lump on the couch, you know. <laughs> but when I do have auditions and I'm working, or I'm working, you know, doing a project, life is a little bit easier just because I have structure. I think structure is key. Um, I took a gap year after high school and that was a big transition into the adult world of like, oh, I have to like do my laundry and not forget that and, you know, manage a social life as well as a professional life, you know, so. So what did you do in your gap year? I just like got so excited thinking about it. It was like the best decision of my life. I started living alone for the first time. I um, I worked. I, during that time, I did my first kind of TV spot on a show called Bull, which was a great experience. Um, I did Big River and um, I, you know, some readings and stuff. And I also traveled, which was awesome. Where did yeah, you travel I, to? I went to um, Barcelona. I went to London. Um, and... Uh, also Amsterdam and Dublin. I think travel is so important. I got to do it more, but, uh, yeah. And I guess I'm like still on a gap year. I like talked to my friend the other day who also took gap years and she was like, I'm, I'm still, I'm like on my fourth gap year. <laughs> no, but I, but I do plan to, to go back to school cause that is important to me to learn, to learn about other things. I know you go to Columbia and I would love for you to kind of expand on that, but um, what, how important is it to you to keep learning and keep being curious? And So important. I mean, I actually, I, um, I taught a group of kids in Ohio last summer, just on musical theater and stuff. And, you know, the whole question is, again, that college process, that, that dreaded college process. I think everyone's on their own path. If you if people want to go to a conservatory, that's great. But I think it's um, it's wrong to think that that's going to be your whole education is those two, three, four years. I mean, you're going to be learning your whole life. And I think to better yourself as an artist and a human 
And as a citizen, you have to keep learning. So that's super important to me. This world can be very kind of insulated and it's kind of a bubble, the acting world. Um, so for me to learn about like poli sci or sociology or history is super important. That's, that's why I, I want to continue my education. Yeah. And you're doing general studies, is that correct? Yes. So I'm at the School of General Studies at Columbia, um, slower paced, which is my speed. And um, they have a lot of actors and dancers and um, military vets, um, people who got their undergrad degree years ago and are going back for something else. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of, of interesting people. And they've been really pretty great, flexible with, with, um, with me. What sort of life skills have you learned from, you know, being a student as well as an actor? I think the main thing is time management. I'm not great at it, and um, it forces you to be good at it. I think when I was balancing school and work, it's a lot. It's a lot of self-discipline, um, which I think can only be learned through experience. No one can really teach you how to <laughs> get your butt to the desk and work except you. Circling back to theater, do you have a musical theater bucket list? I don't want to be like the pretentious actor who's like, something that hasn't been written yet, but something that hasn't been written yet. I'm, I'm about to do a, um, a workshop of a new musical in a couple weeks that's really exciting. I'm really happy about it because um, it's based, uh, the source material is very famous. And so I'm, I'm curious to see what they, what they do with it. But after listening to the score and reading the book, it's, um, they, they have a lot under their under their belt um so yeah I'm, i'm curious about uh kind of plays with music i think the 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 onces you know um musicals that aren't necessarily about music being musical if that makes sense yeah. um i look for really good stories but listen i'm all about song time put me in a song time show i am happy uh i really want to do it i was lucky enough to do a duncan chic musical a couple years ago really want to do that again <laughs> work with him he's kind of a musical idol of mine um yeah and i and i and i want to do uh i want to do a straight play i think uh that's a that's a bucket list item for me right now talking about theater what makes a good scene partner ooh um someone who listens very well um someone who doesn't give you notes <laughs> but no i i look for uh attentiveness and also i just look for someone who i can have a great conversation with because you have to build trust as you know super quick and um so if you're not clicking with someone then how can you be vulnerable on stage with them for like, two hours or whatever um so i just pray that we'll click as humans sometimes you kind of have to force it a little like a what is the expression like a round hole into a square peg or whatever the expression so round peg into a square hole there it is so yeah like look good listeners good people yeah this is like a lightning round slash not Great. really so you know feel free to take your time okay. or answer I'm super nervous quickly. but excited okay. so if you had to give a 14 minute presentation on something anything with no preparation what would be that topic The first thing that came to mind was Pixar movies, and I just saw Incredibles 2, and comparing and contrasting Incredibles and Incredibles 2, because I feel very strongly about those movies. Wow, didn't see that answer coming, but okay. <laughs> I was like, he's probably going to say theater or, you know. <laughs> yeah, song time, no. What is something so quintessentially you that you do that, you know, all your friends would say, oh yeah, that's Nick? Uh, every 11-11, I, like, have a moment and, like, close my eyes and wish for a lot of shit. Can I say shit? Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> and it's, like, way dramatic and over the top, and people are like, oh, there's Nick in the corner, like, with his eyes closed. Like, I won't miss it. If it's 11-11, I have a moment. Podcast recommendation. Well, I just started off camera with Sam Jones. I'm sure you know of it. And I just listened to Emily Mortimer's episode, and I'm more obsessed with her than I was before, which was pretty obsessed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to look more into that and to your podcast when it oh, comes thank out. You. Thank <laughs> you. No pressure. No pressure at all. I'm going to recommend the podcast that we're doing for the podcast you're doing. Oh, yay. Exception. Um, okay. Book recommendation. Ooh, 
Well, actually, I haven't. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm reading Brian Cranston's uh, memoir. It's called mm-hmm. A Life in Parts or A Life in Pieces. I forget the name, but um, Parts and it's incredible. Yeah. Parts, pieces, bits. Um, yeah, he's so articulate and also one of my favorite actors. So mm-hmm. it's great. They're, the chapters are kind of small and they're all these like anecdotes of his career. And it, of course, starts out with Breaking Bad and I was fanboying hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've never seen that actually. I, I assume oh my gosh. Be- do it okay. today. Oh, he's a wonderful, and he's on Broadway, right? He's on Broadway. I just saw him in Network. Uh, How he's was incredible. that? Incredible. Very interesting production. Yeah, it's a lot of like multimedia. It's interesting. Okay, recipe recommendation. Oh my God! Well, we have a bakery here, Magnolia Bakery, on the Upper West, and they have a banana pudding. And if you can find that recipe book and make it, do they have Magnolia in London? I don't think they do, but I mean, I think it's the best thing you'll ever eat. So if you want to eat the best thing you'll ever eat, mm-hmm. banana pudding, okay. banana pudding, Magnolia Bakery. Okay. What's the most adventurous thing that you've ever done? Oh, um, my sister went to college in Colorado and there's a, there's obviously a lot of hikes in mountains there. Yeah. Um, what are mountains? I live in the city. There's something called the incline and it's in a little town near Colorado Springs. I forget the name of it. And it's literally a mile of stairs up a mountain, actually maybe even more than a mile, but the st- the altitude is so, you know, high there. So it's mm-hmm. as you, each step is so hard <laughs> and you get to the top and you feel like, on top of the world it's amazing and there's also a fake um summit so you see it and you think it's the summit and then there's like a whole other section and you're like oh my god kill me um so yeah last theater show that left you speechless the fairy man nice. the fairy man yeah that was that's on broadway right now and it left me speechless that play is it yeah i think they have like geese or something or one they have a goose. Yeah, one goose they have bunnies they have a newborn baby that's like on stage like a real baby like a real I mean, baby yeah a real baby yeah so compelling and the writing and the acting Oof. best advice you've received i think probably from my parents which is to retain your sense of humor life can be pretty dark and um if you laugh that's kind of a way to have perspective on something. I mean, we just, you know, went to my grandpa's 97th birthday, but, but he still has a sense of humor and he's 97 and he can still laugh about himself. And that's just incredible to me. If your life was a movie, what would be the theme song? Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is so hard. You know, I, I don't think this would be a theme song. I think I'm just obsessed with the song right now. But Hard Place by her is really fun. But the message is not quite. She's kind of like, I hate you, and I'm caught between your love and a hard place. Like, that's not really my life. But maybe there's something to be said for being indecisive, which I contend to be. So I'll say that for now. It's like an R&B song. It, like, doesn't align with who I am at all, but... I'm saying it. That's my answer. Include as soon that. as this ends, I'll think of the perfect song. I'll be like, God, why didn't I say that? Oh my gosh, now people are going to think I'm so weird. No, you're not. You're, <laughs> you've been an absolute joy to talk to, honestly. It's oh, you too. Oh my gosh, so fun. Incredible. And, you know, I'm so grateful. Thanks so much, Alexander.